this morning, I want to I want to preach to you. I want to talk to you about the simple thought created for community. Created for community. Let's look together at the book of Acts, chapter two, verses forty two through forty seven. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I just want to talk to you this morning about community. I want to talk to you about real relationships and the need for them in the church. Why is this an important topic? It's an important topic because unlike all societies in the history of the world, if you look at history and if you know anything about history, what I'm about to tell you is true. Up until 40 years ago, there never existed a society like ours that we live in today. Beginning about 40 years ago, our culture and worldwide and other large cultures, people began to be disconnected. People, we, for example, I think it would be legitimate to say that most of you here don't know your neighbors by name. If you do know them by name, you don't know much about them. It's just the culture that we live in. Our country has begun to see our social bonds eroding over the last 40 years. People are less connected in their communities. They are less involved. They are less active. They participate in less organizations and groups of every kind than they did a generation ago. And I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about our culture. A man by the name of Robert Putnam, he's a professor at Harvard, has written a book titled Bowling Alone. It is a book that studies the decline of the social um, unity of the American culture. And in his book, he decades that over the, he, he uh, documents that over the last four decades, the percentage of adults who belong to a bowling league is only 25% of what it was in the 1960s. He gives other examples. For example, people who are part of a political campaign, whether that means stuffing envelopes, making phone calls, going door to door, volunteering for the uh, candidate you believe in, is down 50%. Active membership in local clubs and organizations, such as the Parent Teacher Association, has dropped by 50%. People are visiting each other less frequently having friends over for dinner less frequently, getting together to play cards less frequently. You get the point. In short, the participation in civic life is declining in our country. Now, they've given a handful of reasons for this. 
We are busy. The uh, entertainment that we have at our fingertips has caused people to just want to be entertained all the time instead of building relationships. I watch our young people today, and honestly, I'm terrified of the type of relationships they're going to have when they try to grow up and have real relationships. They sit on the couch next to each other and text each other. We go out to eat, and half the kids are doing this. And so are half the parents. The culture that we're living in. We are disconnected from one another. There are forces in this society, and I want to get to the church. There are forces in our society that are pulling people apart. And the same forces that pull people apart, we battle as a church. Because we are in this society, we are battling the same thing society is battling. The problem is God wants us to be a community. The church is meant to be a community. It is not meant to be a place where you show up once a week and hear a sermon to feel religious. It is meant to be a community. And that is the simple title of my message this morning. Created, that means by God, created for community. So, we have a problem. And we at Crossway Church are no different than any other church in this country in the fact that we face this problem of how do you build community? How do we keep all that is pulling people apart, how do we keep that from pulling us apart? Can I tell you that what I'm saying is true? Most of you, under the sound of my voice, and I know... Because I know, not because you've told me. Discernment, hearing from God, call it what you want. But I know this to be a fact, what I'm about to say, without asking you the truth. Most of you love this church, but feel somewhat disconnected from the people here. Most of you. You love the church, that's why you come. You know God's here. Even those of you involved in ministry, some of you who sing on the stage, some of you who teach classes, some of you who have been coming for years. There are people who could say, I've been here for eight years. And I still don't feel like I have a community within the church. And you know what I want to say about that? I'm very sorry. I apologize. And I ask for your forgiveness. Because to some level, we have accountability for helping facilitate that. I can't just stand up here as a pastor and say, be social. I can't just stand up here as a pastor and say, you should be part of the community. But what does that mean? Because what I know is, most people hunger for it. Most people long for it. Most people want it. And when they hear me preach about build relationships, be part of the church, something inside them says, yes. But how? What does it mean? What does it look like? And while we must recognize that there is a problem in our society that pulls people apart, and we must be strategic about beginning to find ways to build community here in this church, I want to say that we have a great opportunity. Because people want to be connected. Even though people are disconnected, they want to be connected. 
That's why people are on Facebook four hours a day. They want to feel like... It's one of the problems with social media. I'm getting off on rabbit trails. God help me to just somehow stay focused. But they want to feel connected. And we're building a generation of people that aren't really connected at all. They just think they are. So, what was my point? That was a rabbit trail. Here's my point. We have an opportunity. That's my point. People want to be connected. They really do. And I believe if we can find a way to build genuine, authentic community, which I'm going to preach about community this morning, what it is, what it looks like. If we can find a way to build that and foster that, people will see the love that we have for one another. They will see the interaction that we have with one another and they will long for that. I believe if we can get this right, this can be one of the greatest opportunities to winning people for Christ that we have ever really embarked upon here at this church. Because we can bring people into the community. They can see the love and, and, the, and the true interaction we have with one another, long for that, and we can use that as a platform to share with them why we are a community and why Jesus is the answer to all that this world, uh, the chaos in this world. As they see our community, our love for one another, our care and concern, and our support for one another, they'll want that for themselves. Our text this morning in verse 44 said that all that believe were together. See, that's what community really is. It is a group of people who are together. And when the church is working right, it becomes a place where our old nature and our old instincts begin to die, and we start thinking completely different about people. People that we never would have associated with, we begin to associate with them. You know something? I had something in my notes, and I took it out because I thought it was silly, and I'm just going to tell it to you anyways. How many of you have ever watched the movie Ice Age? Or at least know of the movie. Okay, good. Great movie. In the beginning of the original Ice Age, there's a woolly mammoth. And there's this baby that he ends up trying to save. And in order to take this baby and save this baby, he ends up teaming up with the, the most odd group of characters. There's a woolly mammoth, a saber-toothed tiger, and a, and a sloth. And they are on an adventure to save this baby. If you haven't seen the movie, it's not a true story. It's not a true story, no. It's based on a true story, but it's not a true story. But in the very beginning of the movie, before they're really a team out to save this baby, if I remember right, the tiger needs, something's wrong with the tiger, and the woolly mammoth saves the tiger. And the tiger, after it's done, saber-toothed tiger, says to the woolly mammoth, basically, why did you do that? Why did you save me? And the woolly mammoth says, well, because we're a herd. And that's what herds do. They protect each other. And then the sloth says this. He looks around and he says, well, we are one strange herd. <laughs> that's what the church is. I mean, we are one strange herd. Amen. Let's just be real. We are a bunch of different people here this morning. Amen. We've got business people. We've got people that have come from 
drug and alcohol addiction backgrounds. We have people that have, that have uh, lived most of their life in the church. We've got uh, young, we've got old, we've got all sorts of different people cut from different fabrics of cloth, but we are a community. And the one thing that brings us together isn't that we all like race cars or that we all like football or that we, we all like this or that we're all part of this place or that place. The thing that brings us together is that we love Jesus. Amen. That somehow, some way, our lives have been changed by His life. And so we come together to worship Him. And we are a strange herd. But we are a community and we are meant to be together. Community. What is a community? Community teaches us first and foremost this morning that we need each other. This is the longest passage that I'm going to read. Romans 12, verses 4 through 11. And you know what? I am in somewhat of a crunch for time here to get done everything I want to do. So I'm going to follow you on the screen, okay? Romans 12, verses 4 through 11. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. One of the things that I have seen as I have begun trying to wrap my mind around community in the church is that community was a given in Paul's writings to the churches. It's almost difficult to find the word community Paul doesn't say you should be a community. He writes as if they already are. And he's instructing them how to be and how to function with one another. And we see here, we see in several of his other letters, we see in his letter to the Corinthian church, the idea that we are many members, but yet we're one body. We need each other. That's why we need community. You need to know that we need each other. It is difficult to live your Christian life in your own box. And there are two reasons I think that we do it. Number one, we don't know how to get connected. Nobody's really helped us. Not everybody is an extrovert who wants to go out and knock down doors until somebody will come over and do lunch. Not everybody is that way. And so while they long for fellowship, they have a difficult time starting that process. The other reason is sometimes we just don't want accountability. We don't want no one to know our stuff. We're afraid if they knew us, they wouldn't like us. We don't, we, we, we don't want to really get real with people. But I'm here to tell you something. Brothers and sisters, it is so needed. It's needed. We need each other. You need people you can be honest with and people who can be honest with you. 
You need people that you know you can be honest with, and they're not going to judge you. But they're going to love you, they're going to tell you the truth, and if you're in a mess, they're going to help you out of the mess. So we being many are one body. We see that community looks after each other. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. I want to ask you a very pointed question. Are you looking out for the interest of others in this body? And ask yourself honestly and let it sink in. Don't let it just go over you. Ask yourself the question. Are you personally looking out for the interest of others in this church body? And don't count your family as part of that group. That's a given. You better be looking out for the interest of your family. Don't hide behind, well, I look out, yeah, they, they go to this church. I look out for my wife. Of course I do. Good. You should. And wife, you should look out for your husband. And parents, you should look out for your children. But don't dodge the question of your involvement in this community by that. Community has a responsibility to care for each other. I like the thought there's some people who care for me. I like that. I like the thought that when I'm struggling, there's some folks I can tell and I know they're going to pray for me and they're going to encourage me and they're going to help me when I need help. That makes me feel good. But you know what? I also like being part of that community in return. The church is meant to be a place where we need each other and we look after each other. This is why we cannot afford to stand alone. To go it on our own. We need each other. We need the community of faith. A community also serves together. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. I read it already. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. We serve together. Paul's writing that to the general church there. Serving the Lord. You know you have a, a job to serve the Lord. I told you I had a few announcements that kind of would, would work in. Here's one of my announcements. My wife kindly asked if you're willing to help with VBS to help. I'm not going to kindly ask. I'm going to tell you it's your duty to help. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It is your duty to help and serve if you can. If you can be there, you can be there. If you have to work, you have to work. But... Come help us do what we do. Amen. And here's the announcement. For years I've said, and I mean it when I say it, I really do, you should be doing something for the Lord. You know what I've realized? It's one thing for me to tell you you should, and it's another thing for me to help you. And one of the things that we're going to develop, it's going to take some time. I'm telling you, some of I'm just planting seeds this morning. We're going, to, we're going to develop a ministry core and we are going to make every active member be part of a ministry. We're going to redo our membership. If you have been here and you're part of this church and this is your home, you've been here long enough to decide this is your home church, if you are not serving in some form of ministry, something is wrong. Church is not meant to be a place where you show up and it's give to me, give to me. What do you got for me? What do you got for me? What do you got for my kids? What do you got for my wife? What do you got for my husband? What, what about me, 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 me? And you don't give anything back. 
You should be involved serving the Lord. And what I'm going to do instead of just saying that, because you know what else I know when I say that, a lot of times people say yes. But how? I'm not a singer. And, and you think ministry means that you've got to be committed to something every single week, like teaching or this. No. There are a lot of ministry opportunities that everybody can get involved in. From things like picnic planning. You know, our picnics are actually a really great outreach. There are people who come, and you talk about community and people seeing community, there are people who come and watch what we do at our two huge picnics we normally do every year and say, these people love each other and we have fun. You know who normally plans those things? The same people that plan everything else. And you know why? Because we have not had any strategic planning to say, hey, let's get you involved. Let's get you involved. Let's, let's create a way for you to get involved. And so I take ownership of that again. It's not your fault. But you be ready for in the near future, I'm hoping, and when I say near future, I'm hoping before the end of this year, that we have an outline of somewhere between 14 and 20 ministries. And if you want to stay actively involved in our membership roles, you're going to have to join one. And your ministry might only require that two different times a year you've got to do something. But be involved in. Be involved those two times a year. Because a community serves together. The community is truly meant, brothers and sisters, for us to all be members of one body. Not a body of 20 folks that do everything and then 80 folks or 20% of folks that do everything and then 80% that just come and watch it happen. We want you involved. And be ready for new ways coming to be involved. We are going to take ownership of that. I've already begun to discuss it with our pastor's core, pastors and deacons core, which we meet with. I begin to talk to Branson a little bit about it. He kind of has that evangelistic mind. And, and pray for us, though, because what we're going to need is ministry leaders to help organize ministries. And don't be surprised if I come to you and say, consider this. And I'll just say right now, if there's something on your heart that you think you'd like to lead or organize, let me know. Because we are going to need a, a, a group of ministries for people to be connected in. I just want to camp there for just a little bit. Guys, ministry can be so much. A few weeks ago, um, a few, three of our guys went and, and helped um, with a widow. Put some things up that needed done, fixed some things up that needed done. I mean, they probably spent three or four hours there Saturday morning. Serving, number one, it, it, it's healthy. It feels good to help people. But it also makes people that need to be loved know that they're loved and that they're cared for. And that can be a ministry. Helping those that need help. Mowing lawns for uh, maybe some of the elderly in our church that, that need help. There's all sorts of ideas. We need to start to think out of the box and not think, well, I'm not a teacher or a singer. Well, thank God that you're not if you're not that. Because we need all sorts of ministry in all sorts of places. Amen? Community serves together. The reason community is important is because it stops isolation. If there's anything you hear this morning, because the rest of this, I'm going to, I'm going to hit it again. But if there's anything you hear this morning, I want you to hear this, why community is important to you as an individual. Community stops isolation. The devil's number one tap, tactic is to divide and conquer, to get you away from the crowd. 
to get you away from the church. And I don't just mean this building. I mean God's people. Get away from them where you can be isolated and you become lonely and you begin to see darkness and you feel like you're all alone and then you wonder where God is in all of it and then you wonder if you're... You, am I even at the right church? If I, is God even real? Does God even hear me? What's going on? And you will find, I've been doing this 14 years, that before people give up and check it in and, and turn in their keys and walk out the door, they spend a time of being isolated away from the church. Isolation is dangerous, and this is why community is so important. You may have heard of heard this before, but I thought it's a uh, well. I'll, I'll wait to get to it. The redwood trees. I want to say one more thing about isolation. Look at First Thessalonians five eleven. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Go ahead and leave that up there for a moment. Comfort each other and edify one another. From this verse, we see two things. Number one, we see that encouragement and building one another up is not something that just happens. It's not like breathing. It doesn't just happen. Paul commands them to do it. We've got to be intentional about encouraging one another and building one another up. And the second thing I want you to see is that encouragement is necessary. It is important. We all need to be encouraged from time to time. Every one of us. I do not care who you are. I don't care how much you love God. I don't care how great your walk is with God. We still all need encouragement from time to time. Every one of us. And you get that from community. When God's love feels distant, or can we be honest, non-existent? I'm not saying His love is distant. And I'm not saying His love is non-existent. When His love feels distant. When His love feels non-existent. The body of Christ is a tangible proof that I'm loved. When I can't see or feel that God loves me, I can come around you all and know that you do. And I'm telling you, I don't understand it, but somehow supernaturally that helps. It reminds me. And sometimes that's how God shows us His love is through the community. A community protects each other. A community battles the enemy together. Look at Galatians 6.2. Galatians 6.2 Therefore comfort each other, or bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. A community fights together. We battle the enemy together. If you've ever seen the huge pictures of the redwood trees in uh, California, have you ever seen like a man next to him? He looks like an ant next to this ginormous tree. Some of the trees, they say, are 2,500 years old, over 300 feet tall. You would think by looking at those trees, 300 feet tall in there, that's tall. You would think their roots were just deep, but they're not. A redwood trees, a, a redwood trees, uh, uh, roots, they go down and they go out and they link together with the roots of the other redwood trees. And so when the winds blow 
All these, it's, it's like all these trees are just linked together and the only way to get one of them to pull over is to get the whole thing to go over and it just doesn't go because all their roots are connected. I thought, what a picture of how much we need each other. There have been times in my life where I have felt like I was going to fall over and topple. And through a combination of a couple of things, it just didn't happen. First and foremost, obviously God's grace. But how does God's grace, I mean, what does it look like tangibly? Well, I had people, number one, that were praying for me. People that I was willing to share with, I need prayer. And they prayed for me and it made a difference. Do you know what else? When I think about this analogy, I had people that I was accountable to who needed me. And that's just the truth. There was a period in my life when I was as weak as weak could be. Many of you know I've talked to you about it before. Two years into pastoring the church, and my mind was ravaged. But you know what? I couldn't walk out on the community. You know why? I knew they needed me. I wanted to fall over bad. I mean, I wanted to have my pity party and just stop for a while and make you know teach God a lesson on what I'm going to do if you don't answer my prayers the way I think you should. And, and just was in that, that stage of life. But I had to keep showing up. And even worse, I had to keep reading the Bible so that I could make sure I had something to preach. And as I kept showing up, and I kept standing with you all, and you kept standing with me, the winds kept blowing, but it just wouldn't blow me over. And thank God I eventually come up out of that storm. But I am convinced, brothers and sisters... Had it not been for a connection to the community, I never would have made it through that period of my life. Amen. Community is important. And I am committed as your pastor to finding ways to foster community in this church. Community is so important that it's already assumed in the writings of the epistles. God intends the church not to be one more thing on your list of things that you do, but God expects the church to be the very center of your life. I want you, I want you to understand that, and I want you to know I mean it when I say it. God expects the church to be the very center of your life. And when I say the church, I don't mean the Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m. That's not what I mean. It's part of the church. You should be here, and you are here, and thank God for that. But the church is bigger than an hour and a half service once a week. It is about community. It is about serving together. It is about being involved in each other's lives. And I want you to know something. As we begin to put into practice some of the things that eventually somehow we find a way to make it work, and I'm giving you my word, we will, as we begin to put it into practice, we will create ways for you to build relationships with people in this church. But understand, you're not going to know everybody. I've heard people say of the big churches, well, I don't like a big church because I feel like I don't know anybody. Well, truthfully, you only know the same amount of people in a small church as you do in a big church. It's just that in a big church, there's more people you're conscious of you don't know. I mean, be honest. Just stop for a moment and think about everybody in this building. How many of them do you know? I mean, no. I don't mean know their name. Think about how many people you don't know their names. Probably half for most of you. 
You don't even know their name. And so even in a small church, there's a lot of times you don't know people. You're not connected with people. What we want to do is begin to build ways for you to know people, spend time with each other, get to know each other. And even at best, it might be somewhere between seven and ten families that you end up getting connected with. But that's huge. That's a big deal. Friendships that you can count on. People who can be there with you and pray with you when you need prayer. Finally this morning, a community must welcome in others if it is to grow. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 23. Then the Master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. In order for a community to grow, we have got to welcome people in. We've got to be willing to welcome all sorts of people into the crazy herd. Amen? It's not just people that are like this or people that are like that. We want to welcome everybody to Jesus. We want to welcome everybody we can to be part of the family of God. And I pray that we continue to be. We did a fairly good job of it. But it's always healthy to stop, to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, how well are we doing at making people feel welcome? How well are we doing at inviting people in? Because the community of God is meant to grow. It's meant to expand. It's not meant to be just us little small folks here where we just come in and try to hang on until the Lord comes home. No. We are victorious. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are the transformed and the redeemed. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I don't believe that just means to each other. Brother, I'm redeemed. Aren't you redeemed? I think it means go tell the world that we are redeemed and we've got to go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. I'm done this morning. I want to say this. I understand in, in a lot of ways I'm just planting a seed. I wish I had the plan to unveil, but I don't. I need your help. We need your help. I want to encourage you that in the meantime, while we're building this, for you to pray about ways you can be involved in community. Go out to eat with somebody every now and then after a Sunday and just, you can go to Subway or you, know, you don't have to go somewhere greatly expensive. You can go anywhere you want and just sit down with people. Get to know them. Ask questions. Where are you from? Did you grow up here? What do you do for a living? Just get to know people. Find ways to get connected. Get it settled in your heart. I'm not just going to show up for an hour and a half every Sunday, listen to the preacher preach, and then go home. But I'm going to build community I'm going to be committed to my community. I'm going to be committed to serving in my community. I'm going to be committed to protecting my community. I'm going to be committed to being accountable to my community. And I am going to let community be a part of my Christian faith. True community. True community. It doesn't happen overnight. Don't ask our worship team to come. True community doesn't happen overnight. Here's what I mean by that. You can't just be moved and say, well, I'm going to invite somebody over for dinner and do it one time and think it's going to make you feel connected to people. 
What I'm talking to you about is a lifestyle. That's what I'm talking to you about. I'm talking about an entire uh, change of our minds in what community is supposed to look like and our involvement in it and a willingness to engage in it as a lifestyle. And it doesn't happen overnight. The changes that I'm talking about here at Crossway Church, it's not going to happen overnight. I don't have the great big plan I'm going to unveil next week in a two-part sermon and we're going to do it. It's going to take work. Finding the ministries, finding a way for people to get involved. I sat down earlier this week with one of the nations. Don't, don't choke when you hear this, especially if you've ever been part of one. But I sat down with one of the nation's leading scholars in the last 15 years in small groups. The guy has spoke and been part of mega churches from east coast to west coast down to Texas. Now, when I got with him, here's your sigh of relief, I did not get, I did not get with him to ask him about small groups. I got with him to ask him this one specific question because I wanted to know, why have your small groups failed? That was my question. Because I told him, I understand people want community. I see it. I know it. So why don't they work? Because everyone I've ever talked to that's ever been part of one said, two thumbs down, and if I had a third thumb, it would be down too. And so I just asked him, frankly, been doing this for 15 years, what is it about them that people don't like? And we begin to discuss real community and trying to keep things authentic and not always trying to add some type of spiritual element or forced Bible study, but letting people just be people with each other. My prayer is that God will give us the direction and the vision for connecting with each other in real, authentic ways. Nothing fake, nothing phony, nothing forced. Not trying to make everybody in here be some Bible study leader and not trying to make us all talk about the term of the week before, but how do we get us together in real, authentic ways? Pray for us. Pray for our church. Pray for Crossway Church. Pray for God to give you some vision and some understanding on how you are supposed to serve here. Amen? Lord, I pray that you move all across this room right now in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want to ask the question. Maybe you're here. I know I haven't preached anything this morning about salvation, but maybe you're here and the fact of the community. God has pricked in your heart that you're not even part of the church. As we took communion, you couldn't take it with, with an honest heart that you know you're His. And as I speak of community, you think, I just long to be part of the church. You're here this morning you say, Preacher, I'm not saved. and I, I want to be saved. I want to be part of the family of God. Would you be willing to put your hand up high and let me see it? Is there anybody here this morning? Preacher, that's me. Alright, everybody look up here. No hands this morning for salvation. As they sing a song of invitation, I want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you to pray for our church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for God to give you wisdom and understanding how you can be part of this community.